right, so welcome back to another ESL podcast, and welcome back to another reading. So, you know, because no one has gone on to my Patreon, normally I put these lessons onto my Patreon, but I'm going to give you guys a nice little sneak peek. Uh, for those of you who want exclusive reading material, exclusive, exclusive developing vocabulary, stuff like that, Patreon is available. I do advise you guys if you have any questions to, to let me know. Um, because there are three levels. There's the, of course, bronze badge, the silver badge, and the gold badge. I need to go back onto Patreon and, uh, you know, redo everything and start telling you guys about this, as well as my business English podcast and the courses I have available to this. So an array of different things that you can, can uh, I guess, subscribe to. But anyways, with that being said, this is something that I would share on my Patreon. And today we're going to be speaking about the power of the doodle. So this is really interesting because as of late, I've been seeing advertisements on my Facebook about the doodle. And I'm like, what is a doodle? If you guys don't already know in your notes on your iPhone or whatever, you're able to write things with your finger. See, that's called doodling. So what you're going to listen to is the power of the doodle, as well as you guys have the questions that are available, of course, uh, that, again, you can actually check that out on my blog, too. So what this is, is you're going to listen, and you can answer some of those questions. We have headings. This is very good for you IELTS reading takers out there, all right? So without further ado, guys, we're going to be getting into the power of doodle, and after that, I, of course, am going to explain it all. So Let's get into it. Of course, if this wants to start. Of the doodle. Long dismissed as a waste of time, doodling is finding new respect. Neuroscientists and researchers now say that it has benefits, above all for students. A. A doodle is a wandering thought, untidy, uninhibited. Doodling is considered to be anti-intellectual and counter to serious learning, and any student caught doing it in class can expect to be reprimanded. This wouldn't be a problem if it weren't for the fact that it is now thought to be a tool that actually facilitates the learning process. A recent spate of books and seminars has sparked a whole new interest in the practice. According to Sunny Brown, author of The Doodle Revolution, our society is so intensely focused on verbal information that we've become blind to the real value of doodling. She describes it as a powerful visual form of language that can have a profound impact on the way we process information and solve problems. B. There is, she says, a disconnect between the way society perceives the activity and the reality. If someone had looked the word up in a dictionary in the 17th century, for example, they would have found that a doodle was a simpleton or fool. In the 18th century, the word became a verb, and it meant to swindle or to make fun of someone. In the 19th century, a doodle was a corrupt politician. And today, dictionaries offer the following definitions. To make meaningless marks, to do something of little value, or perhaps the least flattering of all, to do nothing. In other words, doodling implies idleness and time-wasting. The press tends to reinforce this idea. 
if an important person happens to doodle at a conference, it makes headlines across the globe. Newspapers typically use words such as discovered or caught or found out to report the event, as if a criminal act had been committed. Wow. C. However, rather than something we do when we're not concentrating, doodling is often a preemptive measure that prevents us from losing focus. When listening, we tend to daydream, but the simple act of drawing can stop our minds from wandering. What's more, Brown believes that doodling has an impact on problem solving. There are four ways that learners take in information to make decisions, she explains. These are visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and written communication. In order for us to process information most effectively, at least two of these modalities need to be engaged. If a student is listening and doodling at the same time, they are engaging more of these modalities. So rather than eradicate doodling from classrooms, Brown suggests that it's in precisely that situation that it should be encouraged. Wow. D. Artists and scientists throughout history have used doodling as a way to generate and refine ideas. For instance, the Polish mathematician Stanislaw Ulam started drawing a spiral of numbers on his paper while sitting in a conference. He then, absent-mindedly, circled all of the prime numbers and noticed a pattern. The primes were arranged along the diagonals of the spiral. Ulam had inadvertently discovered a hidden mathematical pattern for prime numbers just through doodling. Alexander Pushkin would draw the faces and people from his poems along the edges of his manuscripts, presumably allowing them to come to life in his imagination. Dostoevsky did the same, and J.K. Rowling would draw the characters and settings from her novels so that she could refer to them when writing and describe them with more clarity. E. Virtually everyone has doodled at some point in their lives, so it may be hardwired in our brains. After all, making marks predates language as a means to convey ideas. We only need to look at cave drawings for evidence of this. And anthropological research into artistic activity in children shows that all children exhibit the same evolution in visual logic. In other words, there's a predictable order in which visual language develops as they grow, in much the same way as there is in verbal language. If we eradicated doodling altogether, perhaps we would be denying a basic human impulse. F. Doodling isn't limited to those with artistic ability. As Brown points out, if it were about creating great works of art, it would be like saying only those with literary talent should ever write. Even a very simple drawing can lead to insights and discoveries that may not be possible by words alone. And in these days of technology, for the digitally minded, there are any number of apps on the market that allow you to doodle something on a screen in near infinite colors using your index finger. So the next time you find yourself doodling, don't stop. It may be that it's helping you to learn or boosting your creativity. Wow. In fact, if you're lucky, you might come up with your most inspired ideas. That is fascinating to say the least. You know what? Just even referring 
to one of my students on Saturday. It's actually one of these language, uh, it's a very, very small language center. Not many people know them. It's like a local language center that I work out that's just a couple of clicks outside of Bangkok in the Northwest in a province called Nongtaburi. And so I'm working there. And one of my students, anytime that I'm talking, I see one student at the age of 10, he's actually very tall. He's always drawing, he draws very well too. But I've always wondered, like, dude, you're not listening. Why aren't you, like, why aren't you listening to me? But I never say that. I never say that. Because here, and I'm going to make note of this, it says, quote, what's more, Brown believes that doodling has an impact on problem solving. There are four ways that learners take in information, right? And she says visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and written communication. So in order for us to process information effectively, two of these both modalities need to be engaged so in saying that when my student is listening to me and drawing that is a way that he processes information how amazing is that because if he is just listening to me and looking in my eyes then it's actually very difficult so at times, okay, once one of my students, Neymar, he's actually on his phone. Okay, another student over here, he's drawn. Uh, if another student's talking to another student, then no, no, that's not, no, there's no way that they're engaging in anything right then and there. But another one of my students, and the two brilliant students that I have, they are twins. They actually, uh, they draw or they're looking at news or they're doing something else. And I'm like, dude, they're not listening to me. So who am I even talking to? No, they're actually, they actually are listening because that student who was drawing, the 10-year-old that actually is very, very tall, he is engaged in two representational systems, the written com communication, and of course, him being able to intake the information through auditory or through audi uh, you know, audio. So that is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. And I'm going to have to create an Instagram. You guys are probably going to see this way before this podcast debuts, but I'm going to create a really cool Instagram little uh, feature so you guys can see that because I think that is fascinating to say the least. So guys, if you have any questions or if you guys want to know anything about this, let me know. The blog is available on the Arsenio Bug Show. And thanks for tuning into this reading. If you have any vocabulary concerns or if you have anything, hey, what was that uh, that she said in this paragraph or that paragraph, I would love to refer back. I would love to, and I'm probably going to start putting in like different vocabulary words, but again, you only learn vocabulary in context, okay? So different vocabulary words that she had used that were big was like swindle, okay, inadvertently, uh, preemptive. Spate. These words you will never, flattering, idleness. I've never even written idleness before in my life, but these words are only put into context in this reading context, nothing else. Okay. So, with that being said, stay tuned for more people. I'm your host, as always, over and out.